0: Aloha and good afternoon. My name is Jurgen Steinmetz joining you from livestream.travel and eTobo News in Honolulu. And um, today we're going to do our daily news a little bit different because we're live. Only a few people are actually joining us, I see, um, on live on ETN. But I see a lot more already coming in through Facebook and directly through our website. So we're going to try this. Uh, Today, and if it works, uh, we're going to try to see if we can do our daily news live. Besides live, of course, you know uh, we're publishing the event for World Tourism Network, and there's still a lot coming up this month. Simply go to world. uh, (coughs) You can go to WTN.travel, click on upcoming event, or worldtourismevents.com, and uh, we're going to be talking about champagne actually on friday tomorrow with dr eleanor garley and that's going to be an interesting session then we're going to get into wedding and honeymoons on monday uh, so there's uh, there's uh, more coming so please uh, join us today however we're get, we're going to get away a little bit from corona corona is in the news every day and there's a lot to speak about and how many shots everyone has and where it's worse uh, i think um people are getting immune about Corona, but here's another disaster. If you really want to talk about a disaster, we don't have to look very far. We have to look at Texas right now. And I think um, um, all I have to ask is, Peter, how's the weather in Texas? Well, that's a great way to begin this particular session
1: because the weather has been awful. Normally, when you ask me how the weather is, I'm able to say it was a beautiful day with blue skies and a gentle wind. Uh, right now we have gray skies. It is very cold. Uh, it be, I think the—I don't know how many nights we've had now that are below f- uh, zero, below freezing, zero Celsius. And uh, lots of people have still uh, don't have electricity. Uh, there are still three hundred fifty thousand homes without electricity in Texas. And the big problem is water right now. There are major problems of people that are not having water. So today's discussion is going to wrap around that. My grandfather used to say when I was a small boy, no matter how bad you think it is, it can always get worse. And we really kind of thought, well, it can't get worse than the the coronavirus. But what is worse is when you have a coronavirus and you have a collapse of the uh, electrical uh, aquatic systems that keep people going. So lots of people for the last few days have not had electricity or have had uh, rolling blackouts, they have had uh, lack of water, Uh, and some people have even reported to me lack of telephone service. So imagine being in very cold weather, your house is 40 degrees, you're freezing, and there's lack of water, there's lack of heat, and this has really been a very, very, probably the worst week I can think of in the 40 years that I've lived in Texas. But there's lots of politics going on in all this. Some people say the problem is because of wind power, other people say that's ridiculous. It was government inefficiency. There's a lot of, there's 20 different uh, assumptions that people are making. And so rather than um, Jurgen, you and I pontificating about this, I thought we might bring in an expert. I have a very close friend, his name is Steve Vincent. He is um, besides an electrical engineer and someone who's really uh, an expert in electrification. After his retirement, he has been running a charity called Power from the Sun. And his group goes around the world to uh, help poor places, be it in Liberia, or I think they're getting ready to start working in Kenya, in many uh, Honduras, many places around the world bringing electricity to orphanages or schools or hospitals or whatever it is. So if anybody understands the problems of electrification, the problems that take place because of this, and can really kind of separate fact from fiction, um, Steve can. So it's really my pleasure to introduce my friend and also an expert on this whole topic. And then what we'll do is we'll let him start to talk and then we'll ask him questions. And that way we can kind of narrow it into issues that are important to different people. But Steve, maybe you can kind of just Lay the uh, background. How did this whole disaster begin? Um, and maybe talk a little bit about some of the complications and that not one simple answer, but the complications that this whole has taken place and depoliticize it and make it instead more scientific.
2: So much for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I'm very glad it's a small audience because I really regret being cast as an expert. But you know, thank you for uh, pontificating on that. I'd also like to say that uh, your grandfather came up with a corollary for a well-known uh, law that applies throughout the world and that's Murphy's law. Uh, if you're familiar with that, yep. um, it's a law that states if it can go wrong, it will. And so that's really what we've had in Texas uh, with the current situation. Uh, We are unusual in that we have our own electric grid here in Texas. Uh, Most of the other United States are interconnected. There's an Eastern grid and a a Western grid and there's the the ERCOT, the Texas grid. Uh, That may sound a little bit unusual, but you have to remember that Texas Uh, is 800 miles from top to bottom and that's about 1300 kilometers or 800 miles east to west uh, again 1300 kilometers so we're very large in size Uh, we have very diverse climate Uh, we have coastal regions tropical regions and then we have some that uh, see snow uh, for many times during the year so it's it's a difficult process to predict the weather. And um, it's said that if the forecasters for the electric grid miss a temperature forecast by five degrees, it can cause the entire grid to shut down. Um, How many times have you watched the weather on TV and the weatherman has missed the forecast by much more than five degrees? So, you know, it's a tough situation. Um, To bring you up to where uh, the problems, I guess we could say began. And incidentally, we've had four of these instances um, in the past 40 years and they occur on a 10 year cycle. What It's it's almost what's called the perfect storm. Uh, We have our grid, our electrification set mainly for summer whereas is, is our most difficult time to serve all the, the clients um, however about every ten years we end up with a an extremely cold situation uh, every county in Texas uh, from the valley which is as I say very subtropical up to the um, uh, the
1: uh, northern border
2: handle of Texas uh, is under a winter storm watch and that's extremely unusual. Um, Just to give you an idea how we uh, got here, we have had this grid established since the 30s. All the utilities in Texas are connected to this grid. Uh, They all share power uh, through what's generated. One of the the things that occurred in the 80s was uh, everyone really wanted to uh, have nuclear power plants. That was a wonderful thing and going to be clean energy and and save us all. Um, As you know, Europe uh, continued to develop the nuclear power plants. We began developing those plants, but because of Three Mile Island, there were some just extremely difficult situations put on the construction of uh, that type of power. And so we just basically in the United States, I don't think after the two were put online here in Texas, I'm not sure there was but one more uh, United States nuclear power plant put online. Uh, Of course, we have an abundance of natural gas which is a, a very clean fuel. We also have uh, uh, some coal that was local and we did bring some in. But of course, everyone, everyone in the world considers solar and uh, wind power to be our, our savior. That's, that's where we've got to get to. Uh, it just doesn't affect the environment anymore. And, and it's just a utopia. The only problem is, uh, it's a utopia because the politicians have had uh, conglomerates come to them and make proposals and say, "This existing infrastructure. Let's replace all of this. These these pipelines, uh, these transmission lines. Let's replace them with solar panels and uh, wind turbines and." you can give us subsidies to develop all this and we'll have clean energy and everyone will just be happy. Uh, You probably understand that politicians uh, like to control things and they also like to award their friends uh, uh, special favors. And so this is one of the things that has happened in, in our country is that We have decided to subsidize the solar and the wind power. Uh, Just to give you an example, a a recent article uh, uh, was quoting that we subsidize the wind power 17 times more than we do the oil and gas industry. We subsidize solar 75 times more than we do the oil and gas industry. And so what ends up happening is companies take that money, they build those solar power uh, facilities, they build wind turbines, uh, they put them online, and at times they can sell electricity cheaper than what you can buy it through natural gas, even though we have natural gas in the area. Um, This this is a a good thing in that, uh, We do have experience with wind power. We've gone to about 20% of our uh, generation supply with renewables here in Texas. Um, And that really works well, except when it doesn't work well. And this was one of these situations. Uh, We had extremely cold weather with this and it was coming at night and so actually the wind turbines were designed to, wind turbines and solar were designed to add about 20 percent to our uh, power supply. Then the night the problem happened the wind went to four miles an hour and so there was just no wind uh, turbines that were able to help us with our generation supply. Of course it it was at night so there was no solar. Uh, So we go to very, very cold temperatures, and now we're relying on natural gas, which uh, it takes a few hours to bring a gas plant up online where they can actually be supplying power. In cold, cold weather, you have a problem that uh, the gas lines can freeze, the wells can freeze. Uh, if you want to step up your nuclear plant, you have to be very careful that the uh The cooling water is available because you don't want a nuclear plant that you can't cool um, uh, the nuclear facility down or you'll end up melting the plant to the the middle of the earth. Um, And so the water inlets at these two plants begin to freeze. Um, Can these things be prevented? Absolutely. All it costs is money. it's kind of like life insurance. How much life insurance do you really need? And, and how much insurance do you really need here in Texas? Do you need to make sure that uh, you can keep your grid going down to uh, zero degrees or is 10 degrees acceptable? And what it comes down to is, are the people willing to pay those prices for the additional, the additional uh, funds?
1: So one of the things that's been questioned is, uh, and maybe you could just put this into very simple layman's language. People said, well, when it went down, why wasn't there a backup plan? And well, I know you started to speak about that, but could you kind of you know, answer yeah. that first question? Was sure, there the a backup grid. plan? Is there a backup plan? Or is that an impossibility?
2: The grid didn't actually go down. What happened was they kept seeing the demand or the usage, electric usage rising and there was not the generation capacity to supply that demand. And so they put in what's called rolling blackouts. The intent is to move those around and people would be off say 15 minutes and then maybe that wouldn't occur again for five or six hours. Uh, This got severe enough that uh, the rolling blackouts, uh, my particular situation, I would be off for three hours and on for two. there were places in Dallas that my understanding that uh, people were off for maybe 48 hours. Now, there's also the the compound factor that there was ice on the lines. And we have a lot of trees in Texas. Uh, people love trees in their yards, big huge hundred year old oak trees that when they get ice on them, uh, the limbs load with ice and they fall across the power lines and then You've got slick street uh, You've got icy street there were places in dallas and and so we have a, a number of people that were actually out of power because not because of of the generation shortfall but more because of line damage and that has to be repaired uh repaired
1: so the other question people are talking about is was this a uh, lack of foresight on the part of politicians, or is this simply that wind power, we're not ready to try to use these types of powers, we really would be better off with natural gas and uh, maybe someday wind power will be there, but we just don't have the technology yet, or should the politicians have foreseen this? So obviously, we're both in Texas and there's a big blame game now that's going on. Everybody's blaming everybody. And so, if we can kind of separate the blame game from um, some of the real facts, if it's possible.
2: Well, and and you have to look from a practical standpoint about, uh, remember the, the quote that I gave that we subsidize uh, solar power by 75 times more than natural gas?
1: When we mean so subsidize, we mean the government is giving money to maintain
2: Yes, I think uh, the figure was... In the past decade, we've given $80 billion to the solar industry. Uh, In Texas alone, we've given $1.5 billion to the solar and and wind uh, facilities. So you're creating an artificial market, and Texas is different than other states in that uh, our generation is deregulated which means if you wanna come build a power plant and sell power into our grid, you're welcome to do this. Uh, and then you will submit what your costs would be and people will decide whether to buy your power or not. Uh, this has us to the point that uh, my most recent bill was uh, nine cents per kilowatt hour. Uh, if you look at France, uh, they're somewhere around 22 cents per kilowatt hour. Well, uh, we have very economical power here. That's one of the reasons for our, you know, great growth uh, here in Texas. Uh, the economy. I think we're the twelfth uh, largest economy in the world. If you just consider Texas, uh, part of it is because of the reasonable energy prices. Um, is is that the way to go in the future? Um, you know, if you want to go to straight science, are you all familiar with uh, the principle of conservation of energy?
1: I think it would be good for people to, um, if you kind of explain things along the way. So if you don't mind.
2: The conservation energy of energy means that if you're going to convert from one form of energy to another, what you end up with is never the same amount of energy as you started out with. Where does that energy go? it goes to heat energy. Let me give you an example. When you put gasoline in your car and uh, you start the engine, you're trying to convert a chemical energy in gasoline to a mechanical energy to make your car roll down the road. Well, if you run that car for uh, 50 miles, 50 kilometers, and you put your hand on the engine, it's going to be hot. The problem is when you do that conversion, you never get as much energy out as you put in. Now it does balance out in that all that's lost turns into heat energy. And I'll give you one more example, Um, a light bulb. We power that, the old style incandescent, the one with the filament inside light bulb with electricity and we turn that into light energy. Well, if you have that bulb on for an hour and you touch it, it's gonna be hot enough to burn your hands. Well, if you think about it, every time you convert from one form of energy to another, you lose efficiency. Um, To give you an example, one of the things we're just really excited about in the world is uh, let's have electric cars because they're clean. Well, we're going to take, probably uh, natural gas or coal or possibly a little bit of solar. I know in Texas, we use as much as 20% solar, but 80% is still the fossil fuel. You put that gasoline in your car, excuse me, you put that, uh, that natural gas into an electric generator, you then transmit that power, which there are losses that or heat losses in the line as it goes to your house. You charge your car, and then your car is going to convert that electric energy into mechanical energy to drive down the road.
1: So you got four conversion processes.
2: Yes, you've already done you've already lost a lot of the effectiveness of the energy. And when you think about it, um, for all of you that are feel very guilty about causing global warming, if you're driving an electric car, you're actually contributing more uh, than if you were driving a gasoline car at this time.
1: Because of the conversion of power, you're increasing the heat system within um, within the earth is what you're
2: saying. Absolutely, absolutely. And so what you have to realize is that companies come up with great ideas and, in conglomerates and they say, you know, what I'd really like to do is get everybody in the world to do this because there's an established infrastructure that if we can get the politicians to accept what we're doing and make everybody change, we get to provide a whole new infrastructure. We get to make a whole lot of money on this. So we're going to tell everybody, this is really a great thing and we all need this. And if you can convince the politicians to do this, voila, you've made a lot of money for this.
1: Yeah, so that's a, how do you see, and then I think maybe you're gonna, we to wanna to open up to everyone, um, but um, how are we doing say in this country in comparison to other parts of the world? I don't know if you know that type of information or not, or we are basically just thinking more like within the United States, but are we doing well, are we doing, and, well and I are we
2: doing poorly? I, I, I don't know. Uh, a tremendous amount of, about the rest of the world. As I said, uh, my last bill was $0.09 a kilowatt hour. If you look at France and convert that into US cents, uh, they're paying somewhere around $0.22 a kilowatt hour. Um, I think Germany is paying somewhere around $0.38 a kilowatt hour. A lot of the developing company countries, uh, I know Liberia at times was at $0.50 a kilowatt hour. Wow. Um, You know, and as I said earlier, we didn't have a shutdown of our grid system. We took load off that system in order to make sure we had supply to keep it operating. There are a lot of countries you won't find, uh, you know, that sophistication. We're, we are very sophisticated here. Europe has a a sophisticated system, no question about it. Uh, You know, Again, we can protect against these cold snaps and cold problems, but how much do you wanna to pay to avoid these type of things that occur every 10 years? It's an insurance.
0: Good question. Jurgen. you have some questions you wanna ask or discuss? Uh, yeah, no, uh, you pretty much answered. My, my question was really, what is the alternative and how much would this additional insurance cost? Where would the kilowatt hour go? Would it be uh, feasible to say, I don't know how many people died and are suffering because of this to prevent the suffering when it happens again? And if it happens again, if it happens again soon or not so soon, what do you you suggest?
2: Well, personally, what I would suggest is let's quit playing political games. Uh, Let's quit subsidizing technologies. Let's let the free market work. Um, One of the things I see politicians doing that I I totally disagree with is, I'm gonna use the example of Solyndra. Uh, I think that was probably about uh, nine years ago. Uh, No, it was longer than that. It was probably nine years ago. Uh, Some people came in and the government gave them, I think it was $538 billion to develop solar uh, panels here in the US to compete with the Chinese. And they were in business about a year and a half and they're gone. (laughs) You know, to me, what needs to happen rather than the government pick winners and losers and award prizes, I would rather see them establish standards and say, uh, we ultimately don't wanna stay on natural gas or coal. Uh, We would like for someone to develop an alternate technology that could uh, be just as effective, uh, reliable, and as cost as effective and safe. And for the company that does that development and proves it works, we'll give them 10 years of tax-free earnings. When you do that, then you open up the free market and the inventors to to be able to make decisions rather than politicians pick winners and losers.
0: Right, right. and politics is always short-lived. Unfortunately, and in a,
2: yeah. And another answer—I I didn't totally answer your question. Yes, people died. Um, and and to me, a more effective, uh, cost-wise and humanitarian way would be to really concentrate on identifying people at risk during these situations and figure out how to either move them or take care of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. I think we've all survived this and, and it was kind of fun being a pioneer again, uh, you know, off for three hours and on for two was not a huge burden. Uh, but, but I think your daughter had uh, in
1: Houston and my son had uh, no water. I think they right. still have no water right. and two or three days. That is a burden.
2: Well, and, and it absolutely is. But, you know, what are you what are you willing to pay? Are you willing to pay double the price for the water?
1: Well, they are, because everybody's buying bottled bottle of water. <laughs> so, well, but, but, that's temporary, though, yeah. but
2: that's a short-term solution. Yeah, absolutely. Not, I'm just teasing. That's yes. not a constant.
0: Yes. Right. Yes. But, I but, mean, I think we really need to do better in this country in, in so many ways, not only in this way. Now. But I wanted to open up the floor, if that's okay, Peter, if anyone else not, has anything to contribute absolutely. or any any questions. We're a small uh, crowd, um, but um, maybe we can get some feedback you guys. uh, Just uh, if you want to say something, we're so small, we don't even have to raise hands, just unmute yourself and start talking, I guess.
1: Let's see if anybody has a question they'd like to ask. We promise we don't bite. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, if no one has a question, then I think, you know, one of the things, Juergen, you brought up something, which is um, how we do better as far as taking care of people. One of the things that I read in the paper, and again, I don't know how much is, what I'm reading is true and not true, et cetera, but that one of the big areas in the large buildings, which normally you would use to shelter people, they also, because of off the grid, they were often also taken either uh, for temporary uh, blackouts or for um, lack of water. And so the shelters cease to become shelters. Are you, is that a, is? Is there a way that we can make sure that these large buildings that we use as shelters do get electricity even when other people are losing? Or is that just an impossibility or?
2: No, uh, you know, during these rolling blackouts, uh, Peter, I believe that you had no blackout whatsoever. During no, the-
1: no, we, we, were, we were blessed.
2: And in, in well, you were located in the right place. Um, you happened to be on a, fever, a feeder uh, with a hospital. Uh, the hospitals, the, the uh, uh, aged care facilities, uh, those are identified by the power suppliers and they are kept on 24 hours. Uh, there's a large effort made. Um, if you have a special breathing condition and you notify the utility beforehand, uh, they will make sure that your feeder is not cut off or there is some uh, a generator brought to your house to make sure you're taken care of. Now, have we done a perfect job? I shouldn't say we. Have yeah. they done a perfect job? Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, we can always do better. And we always, after these situations, need to reevaluate ourselves and improve what we're doing. But uh, I know Reed Arena, which is Texas A&M's basketball facility, was opened up for people uh, without- home. a warming
1: facility, yeah.
2: Yes. and. Yeah. Uh, I don't have any idea whether that was pre-planned or a spur-of-the-moment situation. Uh, that needs to, you know, we need to, to make sure that we cover in the future is we have these facilities identified, the people are in place uh, to staff those facilities, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we just need to do better planning.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really a political problem. That's not an engineering problem now, but we might call it a political engineering problem of of getting information out. For example, I was unaware of the fact that if you were on maybe a respirator or something that the electric company would keep your electricity going. And I don't know how many people knew that. I certainly didn't know that. Well, Um,
2: I know in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it was fairly common knowledge. Now that I'm down here with a different power company, I think it's common knowledge, but I'm not certain because I haven't heard it here.
1: Yeah, I, I have,
0: I've, I've never heard that. Um, so uh, so these, these blackouts are pre-planned when it comes to where they happen? they actually yes, what, term- they'll,
2: what they'll do, for example, they may tell uh, uh, BTU, Bryan, Texas Utility Company, which serves our electric uh service in this area, they may tell them, we need you to reduce your system by 10 megawatts. Mm -hmm. And so what they will do, megawatts is a large unit of power, basically. What they will do is they will look at substations, which distribute the power throughout neighborhoods. And they know how many customers they have on those systems and what the electric usage is. And they will begin to to shed those loads till they get to 10 megawatts and they move that shifting around. Okay. Like in my case, it was, you know, uh, off three on two. Uh, in off other- three cases, hours on two hours. Right. I, in other cases, I heard people out 24, 48 hours. But again, I don't know that situation. It may be that there was a physical damage to that system and they had to, you know, get crews out there and uh, do a lot of work in order to, to get that particular person on. Individual stories are different than, you know, sure. the, the situation and it, as a whole.
0: And, and really, if we, if you think about uh, this is, there's a pre-planned uh, disaster plan in, in place. Why did people have to die? Um, you know, you can, Apparently you can share these resources and that's why these plants are put
2: in place. And, and how did people die in so many? Well, you know, it, it's always an interesting question. How many of those people actually died as a result of a lack of heating? And, and how many people normally died during any period of time? Um, again, we have a news media, this is my opinion, a news media that makes money by making people wanna listen, by by making the stories as horrific as possible. And so, you know, it's very difficult to keep everyone alive forever. And so I'm not making light of the fact that people died, but what I'm saying is we need to step back and look and really evaluate how many people died because of the rolling blackouts, which was off off three on two? Were there people that uh, in their own front yard uh, a tree took down the power line and the crews had to get out after working forty eight hours and get on an icy road and no sleep and come out there and get that tree off? But they were two hours late for that person. You know those type of things need to be evaluated before we. We we really overreact.
0: I mean, I live on um, on the island of Oahu, and I used to live on our remote North Shore, where blackouts was constant. Uh, a deal of, I mean, it was routine. It it happened in the winter, literally every other week. I mean, we had a blackout for a few hours. Sometimes it can happen even for a day or two or more. Um, but almost everyone I know who lived on the North Shore had a generator. And there are also generators in their shelters with generators. Of course, we don't have the snow problem here in Hawaii. It's always nice and warm. You can go outside and sleep on the beach, but there was, if someone needed electricity, there was electricity, even if there was a a downtime. Couldn't the same system be arranged in, in Texas?
2: Well, absolutely anyone in Texas that wants to buy a generator and put one at his house is is welcome to do that. It it just so happens that Peter, how many times does your electricity go off during a year? Once or twice. How long is it off?
1: About five minutes.
2: And you know, I suspect Peter feels like it's probably not worth three thousand dollars to go buy a generator. Right. To cover that. You know, again, that's that insurance policy. You have to look at the conditions that you live under and what is the cost and what is the worth for making the situation better.
1: And $3,000 means a lot to a poor family. Yeah, It's a huge amount of money. So I think, you know, this was a really special situation because we had incredibly cold, which we normally don't have, on top of that, going to these warming centers, you might argue, is a super spreader because we have we're in the middle of COVID, and we didn't really want to talk about COVID, but it's kind of hard to avoid the fact that if you're putting a bunch of people together, that could be a COVID situation. So some people may not want, may not have wanted to go because they were afraid of that, and then you have these rolling blackouts, which in uh, Steve's case were two hours off, three hours. Uh, two hours of no electricity, three hours of electricity, I guess was. But in other places, as he said, you could be, you know, two days or a day and a half without electricity. And part of the fear is you don't know when it's going to happen. You know, so people get a little bit um, nervous when, oh my God, the electricity is not coming back or what do I do? So you have an anxiety factor that's also feeding into it. So you really have four different factors all at the same time. I think an interesting thing would be to look and see how could, has this or could this impact the tourism industry? Because there's a whole industry of one, um, will clean energy make airlines costs become so expensive that airports or airlines go down? What will happen to the cost of hotels? What will happen to the cost of restaurants? And those businesses factor energy very deeply into their costs. And I don't have the answer. I'm just raising it as a question. But I think that's something that really needs to be very carefully thought through. Um, were the airports kept open 24 hours during the, uh, this, uh, these blackouts in Houston and Dallas, or did they also blackout? Or I, and, I the I well, they and I don't know the answer to that. I assume they uh, were kept going. I don't
2: know the answer to that. I assume that they were open. I know during normal uh, situations where we had ice storms up in the Dallas Fort Worth area, DFW was open. Uh, you certainly can't let the navigation systems go down. So, you know, they have not only feeds from two different directions, but also their own backup generators. Uh, You know, just just to give you a silly example how important sports are, uh, one of the things I worked on was where the Dallas Cowboys play football, AT&T Stadium, and the Texas Rangers play, uh, they have two different substations that feed into those facilities to make sure the lights don't go out. Now, they pay for those.
0: Yeah, and I think that we have two comments here, actually. Um, and if you wanted to um, say it directly, otherwise we read it. But uh, Sarah Outburn, do you want to unmute yourself and, and add your comment? And let us know where you're from. Uh, I think Sarah is. Maybe she doesn't have a microphone, so let me read what she, what But, she, what but she I know says. where she's from because she's my wife. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Okay,
1: <laughs> so you can read her her comments. Yeah, so so I'll, I'll read for So she wrote and said, "I heard that someone needed oxygen. <laughs> I had to call the fire department for help. So maybe we in Texas don't have a uh, alert for electricity not to be turned off. So I guess her comment is that." um, there were people, uh, there, there's now been a, a lack of oxygen of people who are on oxygen and they're having to call the fire departments. Again, part of that may be because the roads are icy and a lot of people are afraid to be on the roads. So not only is it an electrical problem, but it's also a climatic problem that's taking place. And, you know, I'm wondering if, if, if that's what was going on. And I think there's somebody by the name of... It's Susan, Susan Sheets. About that.
2: Well, and the other, uh, the other issue is it's, it's almost impossible for the entities to know which people are on oxygen or will need oxygen without those people first telling, you know, yeah. the utility that, hey, I'm gonna need oxygen. Uh, and sometimes it occurs right in the middle of the, the catastrophe that's taking place. And so, you know, the utility would have no way of knowing unless someone contacts them with that information. I think
1: in this part of Texas, at least, most of us did not know that you could contact the utility about that. Um, At least none of my neighbors knew that, and I certainly
2: didn't know it. Well, that's poor communication on the government's part to not let people know that. I think Susan Sheets had a similar
0: comment around, along these lines. Uh, Susan, go ahead. I, I see you. I'm well,
3: here. I missed the, the opening of this. But my, I have friends in Austin. The problem was that without, they don't have water. And they haven't had water. This is the fourth day. And you think that you can, that's fine. Well, when you're freezing cold and you can't flush toilets and you can't wash, it, you can't cook often without water. It's a really difficult situation.
2: Well, it certainly is, and and I am certainly not a water expert. Um, I've dealt a lot more in uh, electricity, but one of the things that happens, uh, people turn on their faucets and let the water drip so that the lines don't freeze. Right. When you do that, that releases the pressure off the pipes, So the water doesn't flow in those pipes anymore because in order to get into your house, uh, Houston's a different story, but most places use water towers. They will pump water up into those large tanks that are above ground, probably 100 feet in the air. And then through gravity, it flows out of those into the pipes. Well, if you end up uh, in areas that it has to climb a, a small hill uh, and you release the pressure off of it by everybody having their faucets open, you don't get water flow. So what you end up with, um, this is my opinion and, and I've, I've seen it in Africa. I have no reason to believe it's not the same here. It's almost impossible to have a sealed water system where there are no leaks whatsoever. And so what you end up with is you have a water pipe that's under pressure. And so if there's a leak, all the water goes out into the surrounding earth. Well, if the pressure goes away, that water tends to seep back into the pipe and bring the dirt and the muck with it. And so you end up with contaminated water, which is why they're asking you to boil the water, as well as you get different flows in different directions in these pipes. they're, I don't want to use the word contaminant, deposits on the sides of the pipes. And they tend to, to scrape off when it's coming in a different direction. And so your water looks bad. It looks turbid and people get nervous about it. And uh, again, it's a very tough situation. It's, it sounds You're like- you basically
1: it. told to keep your, your um, faucets open so that your pipes don't freeze, but then so if you shut them off, you freeze your pipes. And if you leave them on, you're destroying the water pressure.
2: That's right. And, and what the fear is, you know, the, there's a fire and the firemen go out and there's no pressure to pump water on the, the fire. And so they ask you to, you know, like in Brian, they've asked us to uh, turn off our faucets, stop the drip. Let's have some pressure.
0: Well, wow. I mean, That's what a situation I, I never would have really associated Texas with snowstorms and icy freezing water. So this is a kind of a, a special year for everything and everyone, I guess.
3: <laughs> I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess we could go back to my Hang
0: on. It, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, you were, uh, someone was saying something. Go ahead.
3: I think Texas has had lots of ice, lots of snow. I think that this shows that people aren't paying attention to the extremes of climate change that we've known about for many years, not a few years, not a few months, dozens and dozens of years, we've ignored it. This is gonna happen more and more and we need the kind of leadership in our communities that understand the science behind it and say, we really need to plan for what's coming, not for the last 50 years, for the next 50 years. And they're not doing that. They're doing very, very myopic, what's gonna save us a buck for the next five years or to make make sure that I can get elected again. It's, it's very concerning that we're not looking at this as leaders and we're looking at it as, as how can I make it through the next budget season? It's very, very troubling.
2: Well, and, and you know, in our system, supposedly you're the boss. And so you need to tell them that I'm willing to pay more than nine cents per kilowatt hour. I'm willing to pay 20 cents a kilowatt hour to never be out of electricity. And so everybody in, the, in your area needs to tell them that, that we're all in favor of doubling the price of electricity to pay for this.
3: And it doesn't necessarily double the price. You need smarter people making the buying decisions. There are lots of people out there in very cold environments that have, you know, stable electricity and water.
2: And they don't pay nine cents a kilowatt hour.
3: They, they may.
2: No, There's they
3: lots don't. of creativity out there. And if you want to do it on the cheap, this is what you're going to get.
0: Yeah. And, well, and that's, I, I think, definitely. Um, you pay what you get for it. uh, For me, it's always amazing. And I shared this with with Peter, uh, growing up in Germany, um, I left for the US back in 1982. But even before that, I remembered all our electricity cables were actually underground. So we really didn't have any blackouts to speak of or any um, problems I could remember. And then when I moved to the US, I, I lived in Kansas first, I mean, there are always power power uh, poles down, and it, it was quite unusual. So I think every country has a different approach, um, but but of course, our infrastructure sometimes, uh, when when you look at it, uh, it needs some um, restoration in a lot of ways. So hopefully, these type of situations are uh, also serving as a wake up call in a good way, uh, so we can um, start reacting appropriately and be prepared. Uh, Hopefully, if anyone, anything else like this is ever occurring. I'm wondering if there's any more questions or comment. Um, Heinz, you unmuted yourself. I don't know if this means you wanted to say something. Uh,
4: Yeah, I I had a a, a general question. Uh, Steve, you mentioned we have three power grids in the United States, one on the for the West and one for the East. Isn't there any way you know that if Texas have their own power grid that they can hook up to either one or make arrangements you know for emergencies i understand that for the west or eastern part of the united states you can if you are short in one area you can borrow or you can look into somebody else's area who has enough uh, power
2: well and and we could certainly do that Um, what you have to consider is how much do you want uh other people uh, a larger group controlling a situation, how much do you want local control? For example, the Eastern grid, at least in my lifetime, has been totally down three times that I know of. Uh, the ERCOT grid in Texas has never been totally down. Uh, we're looking at the same problems in California and you know the, the California problems have affected uh, Oregon and Nevada and things like that. So far, uh, we have not chosen to uh, to give up that local control and feel like that we would be better off uh, connected to the east or the western grid since they have both been totally down and, and we've not had that problem.
1: Steve, I think what Heinz is referring to is not to be part of the eastern grid or the western grid, but say in a temporary emergency for this week, could we like, have borrowed electricity from the Eastern grid or the Western grid. So
2: because of the I, politics, the because of the politics, you're not allowed to do that. You're either all in or all out.
1: I see, so you don't have, a, so that's a, gov- a federal government position.
2: Yeah. So
0: once you're in that grid, that's where you are.
2: It's called interstate commerce.
0: Well, okay. God forbid. I mean, we have some <laughs> other emergencies where states need to borrow electricity from each other. Is it technically possible or is it just politically not possible?
2: That, no, uh, as I say that Eastern grid, uh, uh, they're pretty well connected, most of the Eastern part of the United States and that's that's pretty well a permanent situation. Uh, but, but I remember, uh, I think it was Boston had a problem, Boston Edison, maybe three years ago, and, and they were out as far as uh, Cincinnati and uh, Illinois when they, they had one of their problems. Is this, um, the connection system and the management of that system is extremely complicated. Uh, the, the relaying systems... Uh, And when you lose uh, a piece of equipment, uh, you don't want me to get into all this. It begins to affect the frequency of the electricity in the system. And when the electricity frequency begins to drop to a certain level, what they have to do is to break away from the system. And as soon as they break away from the system, the frequency goes way up and it bounces around Uh, up and down. And so all these relays, the more you connect in, the more difficult it is to stabilize uh, when you lose a major piece of equipment.
1: So, Steve, just to put that into what I believe is very simple uh, layman's terms, and then correct me if I'm wrong, from a technical perspective, if we had wanted to jump into the eastern grid for a week, just a week, in other words, during this difficult week, it would have been impossible. Technically, it would have been it would have been so creative that.
2: Well, it, it, that there would not have been any planning. Yes. Uh, had there been planning involved in it, then it would have been a political decision, and we would have been permanently connected.
4: I see. Okay.
2: Okay. Wow.
0: Interesting. Are there any other questions?
2: Yeah. That's an interest, interesting
4: uh, uh, position. I, I you know I think in our days and age, you know, it's uh, the more you can. Interact with other areas, whether it's you know other states in this case, other countries. The the, the better it is that we can help each other in cases of emergencies, at least. Well, well,
0: this so, was an, an, an a very educational, interesting session. And um, you know, I have
3: a quick question. Sure, I go will. ahead. Uh, who's I'm speaking? of this. Are uh, this is Sue. This is oh, Sue. Sue.
0: Okay, okay.
3: Uh, is, did they not have uh, solar and wind backup? Any of the stored energy?
2: Well, they were counting on 20% of the uh, uh, renewable energy, and the wind dropped to four miles an hour. And so the, uh, the wind farms went down to supplying 2% of the electricity when they were expected to supply about 20 and so that is what created the problem. Uh, of course, it was nighttime. And so there was no solar uh, uh, help at all at that point.
3: So you don't have any stored energy. You don't, you don't have any battery backup. You don't have, a lot of places have solar energy. They have an enormous amount of stored energy. It doesn't matter what the weather is.
2: Well, the problem is with stored energy, for example, uh, a lithium uh, ion battery costs 75, uh, excuse me, $175 uh, per kilowatt hour. And to be able to work with the other systems, which are like the natural oh, gas, the problem there is the really stored problem. energy, for example. Sorry, there was and, and so, you know, again, uh, if we want to put in batteries, which is an unproven technology right now uh, on large scale, Yes, I'm doing uh, a project for a hospital in Kenya right now, which is 38 KW, which is the size of a small shopping center that I'm putting in solar for that. But when you start talking about doing the entire uh, state of Texas uh, with renewables, uh, the cost rather than nine cents a kilowatt hour would be somewhere around 2000 $3,000 a kilowatt hour it would be uh,
3: almost impossible. that they haven't figured it out. They have figured this out in other parts of the world. I think we need to maybe shop around because it, it works. A, I'm, not
2: <laughs> of, I'm not aware of anybody, any country that's on totally renewables.
3: Uh, not totally. But look at some of the casinos. They can be out of power and everything is still running. They're able to store their um, geothermal power out in, um, gosh, uh, there's two of them that are two huge ones that are on geothermal power you know it's it's interesting that these independent folks have been able to figure out in a cost-effective way these are independent folks who had to pay for it all themselves and made their money back very quickly
2: well if there are people here for example the hospitals they all have backup generators that they will run uh either stored ice if that uh will last long enough or they will run uh geothermal uh or they will uh, have a standby generator that uses diesel fuel or natural gas fuel or propane okay but does anybody else have a question or a individual. comment those are individual situations that's not a massive situation like the state of texas which again economy-wise, is the 12th largest in the world, right?
3: So maybe the state would invest in something quite as uh, important as power yeah. and water.
2: Well, for example, we've invested uh, $1.5 in renewables uh, in the last 10 years, and the federal government has done $80 billion, but they're only 4% of the actual power supply.
3: Hmm. Mm, you need more solar. Virginia Dominion will talk to you. They'll show you how to do solar.
1: Uh, Susan, are you calling us from Virginia?
3: Yep. Yep.
0: Well, you guys are also snowed in in Virginia, right? We
3: got right. lots of snow, lots of power, lots of water.
0: Right, right. Well, there's there's someone else in your area and I don't see any more hands uh, running and I wanted to just recognize and Thanks, uh, Susan, really uh, appreciate your, your input. I couldn't put you on the spotlight because your camera was off and the system didn't allow this. But uh, you That's can see okay. Susan's nice picture if you <laughs> <laughs> go um, and it, into the menu here. But uh, I wanted to just recognize Marika Donado. Um, Marika is uh, running a uh, Marika is running our tour uh, tour tour guide uh, interest committee, and she's based in Washington D.C. We we had actually celebrated the Um, At the 35 years of uh, tour guide organization, Marika, uh, it was a very fun event just two days ago and you can see it in archive. Like you can see all our events in archive. So if you go to worldtourismevents.com and uh, click on some of the past events, uh, you will um, hear a lot about storytelling. we was telling stories here today, but they're serious stories, but we had fun stories to tell. Uh, during the uh, tour uh, guide. Uh, Marika, I don't know if you can unmute yourself, uh, can you? Maybe she's calling in from, from the phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, regardless, I, w- I just wanted to share with the audience, uh, we're going to have uh, two more sessions actually on tour guides and also a training session coming up next month in March. And I'm sure you will hear more and uh, again uh, to see what's coming up tomorrow about champagne you don't want to miss this uh just join us uh, go to <coughs> uh, worldtourismevents.com and you can sign up but peter this was an interesting session and it would be for those of you that are, are joining us on each News new social media like facebook or youtube or linkedin uh, this will repeat so if you missed part of it uh you will just come back in, in a few hours and uh, it will play on etober news for the, the next few hours after this and again it'll be on archive also on your social media channels. But Peter, uh, this was a very was very good feedback from Texas and and Stephen, thank you so much for attending and I will give Peter the closing word here and but I hope that all of you, specifically you guys in Texas right now stay safe, stay dry and stay warm.
1: Well, first of all, we want to thank you, Jürgen. I certainly want to thank my good friend, Steve Vincent, for spending time with us today and sharing some of his vast knowledge. And he was very humble in saying he wasn't an expert, but I think all of us having listened to him would certainly think that is a very valid word for many of us who know very minimal amount other than what we read in the newspaper about um, all the issues dealing with electrification, heat, Um, the cost of heat, the fact that uh, the electric cars may actually be adding to global warming and not um, uh, uh, taking away from it. So, Steve, really, from all of us, thank you. Um, I guess the way to end this, these are really important questions, not only for society, but in the world of tourism, it's going to impact tremendously what type of tourism industry will exist post-COVID. So, this week certainly proved not only Murphy's law, but also my grandfather's law, that no matter how bad things are, they can always get worse. And we kind of proved that this week. But on the other hand, that means that next week there's hope, because we're expecting the sun to come back, the snow will melt, we will have true solar power, meaning sunlight, and it should go up to about 60 degrees, which is more normal winter uh, weather here. and. Uh, Hopefully, this will be something that we can tell our grandchildren about, and it won't repeat every 10 years, but maybe every 20 or 30 years. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you. I hope you learned something and understand what happens here can happen anyplace else in the world. So thank you.
0: Thank you, guys. Aloha. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Yeah, thank you, Steve.